It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. John Schneider is under contract through the 2027 season, but his heir apparent is going to be joining us today on our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks, joining me for our Monday episode, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. We've got a very special edition Monday episode coming your way to diehard Seahawk fans going to be joining us and the heir apparent for John Schneider going to break down the entire Seahawks offseason from the quarterback room all the way to the draft and free agency. We're fired up about this episode. As always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. This episode's brought your way by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. All right, let's kick off the festivities here on this special edition Monday episode. For those of you that are movie or TV fanatics, you're going to be fired up for our special guests that we have on today's show, whether it's Yellowstone or for me personally, Glory Road. I also love the Purge series. We're going to be bringing on the show actor Josh Lucas as well as his son, Noah Maurer, who is an ascending GM prospect. We're looking forward to breaking down the Seahawks offseason with Josh and Noah on the show. Thanks for joining us, guys. We greatly appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Awesome. Uh, Thank you so much for having us. We're very excited to be here. I probably won't say much because I don't know much, but my son knows everything. (laughs) But feel free to disagree with him about it all, too. Uh, We're looking forward to it, and this is something that we've been working on scheduling for a few weeks here on Locked on Seahawks, and we were listening, of course, Josh, to the Rich Eisen podcast. You were mentioning all the things that your son has been talking about with this offseason, and Rob and I immediately got really excited, like, this is the guy we need to bring on, John Schneider 2.0, so we are excited to kick off the festivities here. We have to start at the quarterback position, Noah, because I want to hear your take on Russell Wilson, because this was obviously earth-shattering news for all Seahawks fans. And you being an avid listener of the podcast and absorbing everything Seahawks you can, uh, that had to be a stunning morning for you. I was sitting in the car, and I think I, I, I was sitting in the car, and then my uncle called me, and he was like, they just traded him to the Broncos. And I was like, you're joking. You are actually joking. I am mad at you. So I was like, depressed I w- it was like just a shot of emotions like everything like depressed angry hurt it, yeah hurt <laughs> yeah I was like wait how and no one compares to him like he like is has records like only behind Tom Brady how could you <laughs> yeah it was heartbreaking and it was a shock it was surprising but 
Noah, Noah, do you? Uh, sorry to jump in there, Corbin, no. but uh, Noah, do you own a Russell Wilson jersey? And if not, are you going to be purchasing one in orange soon? I own a Seahawks. I'm wearing it right now, actually. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, should I wear it? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, always, I, I think always going to be a Seahawks icon. So you're never going to lose that yeah. value with that yeah. jersey. So. I think that's a big question him and I have been talking about about whether he's going to root for two teams this year, you know, whether he's going to root for the, because the, the Broncos play Seattle in the season, don't they? So I was like, Oh, this is okay. I'm going to go for Seattle, but I'll be like watching Russell Wilson. So moving away from that discussion, because obviously Russell's gone and there's most Seahawk fans, I think have accepted that at this point, there were several of them that were hanging on for a while. Some thought it was an early April fool's joke in early March. Turned out that was not the case, but we got to the draft last week. And I know from speaking with your father heading into this episode that there was one name in particular that you were really hoping that the Seahawks were going to pick as the successor for Russell Wilson. And ultimately that did not happen. Were you surprised they did not pick a quarterback? I was expecting them to, because I didn't really think that they would, I was like, Drew Locke is an outstanding backup. Drew Locke would like, he's played that role before. And I think he'd be good. Like you could also, or you could put him in the competing position for the QB. So, I mean, I was like, just bring somebody in there who's a rookie who just like a little bit of Russell Wilson. And I had, and I'd heard people say, yeah, Seattle might go with Malik Willis. And I was like, I don't know this guy that much. So I had to go on YouTube and just look up like Malik Willis film. And then I just watched like 10 minutes of just his film. And I was like, okay, that's pretty nice. I mean, it's not the exact Russell Wilson, but it's pretty good. So I was like hoping that they might get him like uh, early first round or early second round, their early second round picks. And then, and then I was like, wow, when he lasted all the way to the third round, I was like, okay, maybe we can, maybe they're just holding out. And then when they didn't draft him, I was like, okay. And Tennessee draft him. I was like, oh shoot, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I certainly understand your frustration. I, th- I think, know that you, you speak for a lot of Seahawks fans, frankly, uh, kind of going back to the initial question about just the, the initial shock. Uh, you know, Corbin and I have been you know, talking about the, the possibility that Russell Wilson might be traded for a long, long time. As, as you said, you, you, you may have been listening to our shows. And thank you, by the way. Um, and, and yet still, when it actually happened, I mean, I can't speak for Corbin, of course, but still, I, I was teaching in my classroom, and I got a text from a buddy, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? They actually this actually happened, you know?" And and that was kind of a it was a surreal moment. I mean, it was a moment where you you just kind of go back in time and you think about all of the incredible memories that you have, the way that Russell Wilson just made magic happen. And, and so I think Noah, that you're what you're saying there is is so genuine. I think it's refreshing. Because there is a lot of people who I've talked to that have have already distanced themselves from Russell Wilson and have already said, "Oh, you know, Seattle will be better for this move. This is the roster rebuild," and and maybe they will. And I, I certainly believe that if you are going to be competing for for Super Bowl championships, if that's what you want to do, is you want to get rings, not just sell 
tickets, not just, um, you know, highlight great players. I, I think we all recognize that Russell Wilson is a future Hall of Famer. But at the same time, just that considering how much money quarterbacks get nowadays, then it, it makes a lot of sense to be able to move on. And there was a lot of people out there who were advocating for the Seahawks to, to draft a young rookie quarterback, you know, maybe. Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, uh, whoever the case might be. I, I think it's going to be fascinating to kind of see uh, what Seattle does here. Obviously, Drew Locke, Juno Smith, um, you know, Jacob Beeson, you know, Levi well, Lewis. Let me ask you both a question. Do you both yeah. think that Seattle chose to wait and choose maybe, you know, a quarterback next year or to truly try and develop, you know, the team around one of these two quarterbacks and see if it works or if the plan is, you know, get someone out of the upcoming, what people say is a great quarterback class for the next draft. Right. So do you think that was their thinking or. I, I think I'll, I'll jump in real quick and then I'll, I'll pass up to Corbin for my, my personal take um, Josh and Noah. I, I think that that drew lock and, and you can go back in time a little bit on, on me. Um, you know, this is my take for on Drew Locke when he was coming out of Missouri and was drafted by the Denver Broncos. I was really high on Drew Locke. I, I just saw a guy who had a big time arm who had been incredibly productive against SEC competition. I had a chance to watch him in person at the senior bowl as I did with Malik Willis um, and, and really thought that, that Drew Locke could be a special winning quarterback in the NFL level. Now his lack of success at the Denver Broncos is concerning which is one of, the, one of the reasons why I asked uh, Noah if he was going to be wearing orange because, I, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I, I think that when you see Drew Locke and, the, and the, the talent that he possesses, the running game that Seattle has, the wide receiver talent that they have, that I think that he has a greater chance of being successful in Seattle this year. But he is only on the one-year deal. And to your point, Josh, I mean, the quarterback class next year looks outstanding. And for Seattle to have two first-round picks, two second-round picks, that's likely to be four picks within the top 50, top 60. I mean, my goodness, that is an awful lot of buying power that they have at that spot. So I think that it's a little bit of a wishy-washy answer on my part, and I apologize for that. But I think that Seattle is doing a little bit of both. I think that they've got a guy they're really excited about in Drew Locke, as well as Geno Smith, as well as Jacob Beeson, obviously. But I, I fully expect Drew Locke to be the guy. And I think that they may have lightning in a bottle with him, but I also think that they are very, very excited about the quarterback class coming up. And Corbin, I apologize for stealing the mic a little bit. The show is yours, sir. Well, uh, real quick, I'm just going to say yes is the answer to that question because what they've truly given themselves – is flexibility because if Drew Locke does go out and has a great season, you can re-sign him and he's still not going to break the bank to do that. You could bring him back another one, two, three-year deal, depending how he plays, and you could still draft a quarterback too. Like It gives you options. If Drew Locke goes out there, Geno Smith starts, and neither one of them plays well, they win two or three games, you might have a new coaching staff next year and you'll bring in a new quarterback. So really what they have right now, in my opinion, is flexibility, which leads me to our last question here this segment real quick. Noah, I got to ask you, because unless Baker Mayfield's coming to town, let's just assume that's not happening, and it's Geno Smith versus Drew Locke, who do you think is taking snaps in week one in September? I mean, I would expect Drew Locke, but – I, I have a question for you. How old is Drew Locke? I don't. I didn't have a chance. Twenty-five. To, okay. Yeah, I think 
sh- I think that should be the problem of starter because Geno Smith, we saw him last year. I watched him against those teams and I was heartbroken. I was like, that guy put in his heart and like, it just didn't like, it was like not the P- I was like, I watched plays. I was like, that's a PI that should have been called. And it was just heartbreaking. That was the thing about the Geno Smith period last year was that actually, you know, they, they were heartbreaking. Like Noah says, partly because a lot of things happened that, weren't his fault, you know, frankly at all. And it was like, Oh man, that, that, he just didn't get, he didn't get a break. And I wouldn't be surprised if, the, if we got a really interesting battle on our hands. Right. And you, you know, that, that might be really interesting for the preseason in those first couple games. You got two guys who are, you know, an older a veteran and a younger guy who, who get to battle it out. And I mean, it might be very exciting. I, I that's what I hope. I mean, I, I really genuinely last year watched those, that, that period when, when Russell was out and hurt and thinking like, I, I, I really wanted Gino to, to play with the skill that I think he has. And I actually think he did. <laughs> it was just like, Oh man. But you know, maybe he had some of the same problems that Russell had in some ways in terms of just being supported. Right. I mean, that's part of the whole question that comes up. Right. Which yeah, leads us that to the draft. Really the, that's the big <laughs> issue here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what so, I was thinking is the reason they might want to go with um last thing I'm going to say is the reason they might want to go with Drew is because he doesn't really have like that huge deep throw try to get like a 70 yard pass. So I think he would work really well with um the the run game that they've set up. So I think that would be why they might go with him and also because he can run a little bit. So I think they might decide to do that. But. Yeah, we got some good insight there. I think that is going to be a very close battle because I think you got the experience in the system for Geno and you've got the untapped upside of Drew Locke. And even Jacob Eason might throw his hat in the ring a little bit because he has the physical tools. And so that's going to be really exciting. We're going to continue this discussion here with Josh and Noah here in a moment, shifting gears from the quarterback position to how the rest of this offseason has unfolded, free agency, the draft, and much more. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports information needs. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, and this weekend's Run to the Roses as the Kentucky Derby returns. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting and wagering informational needs. From live betting to the playoffs, esports, and more, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed you're listening to the locked on seahawks podcast monday edition i'm corbin smith joining me as always rob rang thanks for making locked on seahawks your first listen five days a week really excited to have special guests on our show today actor josh lucas as well as his son the future heir parent for john schneider Noah Maurer, and we're going to continue breaking down the Seahawks offseason. We just talked quarterbacks. Let's shift gears to the draft. Noah, I'm going to ask you just straight up, looking at the nine players that the Seahawks just got in this draft, 
What are your thoughts on the draft? And did you like the strategy that Seattle employed, not going quarterback and really building the foundation of their football team, pass rushers, tackles, cornerbacks, positions like that? I was expecting them to go with defense and offensive line. But when they went with the running back and the wide receiver, I was actually a little surprised because I thought, well, you have Chris Carson and you have Rashawn Penny. Did they trade Rashawn? They got him back, right? I think. They got Penny back, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I was like, I don't think they – I was like, I was surprised that they went for another running back. And then I was like, well, you have DK and Tyler Lockett, so I don't think you're going to need another wide receiver. But sure, have him as like a, one of those guys who's like – not really their top throwing, but he's still there. And, like, he's a good wide receiver. Yeah, that's what I – Well, and I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I thought that – I mean, uh, you know, Corbin and I talked about the possibility of there being a, a wild card selection early on. Um, and, and Corbin, I got to give him a lot of credit. I mean, he was the guy that said they might go with two offensive tackles. And there were a lot of people, myself included, who did not think that that was a likely scenario. And that's exactly the two tackles that the Seahawks wound up selecting with Charles Cross in the first round, uh, Abe Lucas in the third. Um, I, and if I'm going to give Corbin a little bit of credit, I'll pat myself on the back, even though I didn't get the right running back. I was saying it might be Brees Hall who won a couple of picks earlier, but I thought that there was a possibility because that, um, that, that because Seattle has had a little bit of injuries and, and durability concerns at the running back position, that they might invest in early round selection in a running back. And my goodness, Ken Walker, you, you just watch this guy and the speed that he possesses. I, I think that, that, that Noah, that Josh, I think that you and a lot of Seahawks fans out there are going to be really excited about what this guy is able to bring to the table. And then going back to the wide receivers that you mentioned there, Noah, you know, it, it was late in the draft. I mean, Seattle selected Bo Melton and, of course, Derek. You know, I, I think that it's exciting to see the, just how different those two players are because you're talking about a guy in Bo Melton who is smaller and quicker and catches the ball really well. And then with Derek, I mean, you know, he he's just his athletic ability. Um, it just screams as a guy that you can develop very similarly to the way that Seattle did previously with David Moore in the past. Um, I, I'm really intrigued by the two of them, and I like that they drafted them later. We, we saw a record number of wide receivers come off the board. Six of the first 18 picks of the first round. Um, and that was just, you know, kind of unprecedented, obviously unprecedented and, and surprising, in my opinion. And, and so I like that Seattle kind of doubled down two offensive tackles, two edge rushers, two cornerbacks, two wide receivers. And, and those were all positions of concern. I like that Seattle kind of did the double down effect there because I think it's going to wind up making their franchise that much better moving forward. Yeah, I I'm going to ask I mean, Noah now going off of that, who was your favorite pick and, and what is a player aside from Malik Willis? Cause you've already mentioned him, but who would be a player that you were hoping they were going to draft that they ultimately did not? Um, I mean, I'm blanking on the name right now. It's a safety. Uh, you said him in your mock draft before the, like, I think it was a couple of days before the draft. Um, who did you end up going for? Do you remember? He, I don't know. I don't remember who he I'm went to. I'm trying to remember a safety that I picked. Or the, or the college, but um, but we'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. Yeah. We'll figure it out. I'm trying to think because I had a couple different mocks I did late. Uh, as far as safeties that I picked, uh, there was a kid from Louisiana, Percy Butler that I picked in one of them, um, JT Woods. 
Um, I think it was your last one that you did before the draft, if that. I'll have to double check on that because I don't even remember which safety that I had the Seahawks pick in the last one. Oh, Smoke Monday from Auburn. There we go. Yeah. Great. Yeah, man. there we go. Now I got it. It's not a great name. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's as good of a name as they get. <laughs> well, it, it, it's a, it's a oh, no, that's a darn that. good football player, though. He smacks people. So would have been a fun addition. <laughs> well, and Bubba Bubba Bolden from Miami is an undrafted free agent. It's going to be a heck of an addition as well. What, what kind? We were listening to your show today. Who's the the kid who's out of? Is he out of Spokane or Pullman? Who's what three hundred and fifteen pounds? Like that? I mean, Lucas. Yeah, big Abe Lucas. Yeah, what, yeah who I've been calling Abraham Lincoln accidentally on the show, which I don't know why. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, big big Abe Lucas at 315 pounds. We have Abraham L- Lincoln and Kobe Bryant. <laughs> exactly. Abraham Lincoln and Kobe Bryant are now Seahawks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Real quick, no, I- before we move on to our Q&A, because we had a ton of questions from our listeners who were really excited to have you guys joining the Locked on Seahawks podcast. Looking at the offseason as a whole, Noah, what was your favorite move, whether it's a draft pick that they made or re-signing a player or changing coaches? As general manager, which move do you applaud John Schneider the most for? I think the um, cornerback, just, or Justin Coleman, I think that was a very smart decision. I've watched a few of his tapes, and I liked – I was enjoyable, but I've I've seen him in games, and he's very – he's a very good cornerback, so I, I was impressed by that. Yeah, and he's played for the Seahawks before, too, uh, 2017 and 2018. Might be the best slot corner they've had in the Pete Carroll era, so getting Whoa, him that, back, upgrading the secondary – Dang, no, that's just saying something. He might be the best slot corner. That's a that's a high compliment. Yeah, yeah he's a darn, darn good football player. So, yeah, and I think Rob actually said that was his most underrated move they've made so far. So, uh, Noah and Rob kind of thinking uh, like one mind here. We're going to get to some Q&A questions here, some Seahawks, some movies, some pop culture, all kinds of stuff thrown in coming up here in a moment on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. It's almost summertime, and if you're like me, you're going to need quick food on the go. Built Bar is the perfect snack to take on family vacations or whatever summer adventures you have planned. I know when I go hiking at Mount Rainier and other beautiful places in the state of Washington, I'll be glad to have a delicious Built Bar to fuel my journey. Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate and come in many delicious flavors. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs, they're absolutely delicious. My favorite flavor, banana cream pie. I'll eat three or four of them in one sitting, not afraid to admit it. Regular Built Bar comes in amazing flavors as well. Peanut butter brownie, as well as orange cream and salted caramel. Built Bar is coming out with new flavors every month, so make sure to check them out at their website, Built.com. Visit Built.com and use the code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. Again, that's Built.com. Use the code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience. And without robbing you of the joy 
of putting a dish together yourself. I'm pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. You're listening to the Monday edition of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We're proud to have actor Josh Lucas and his son, Noah Maurer, joining the show, talking Seahawks. And let's get to our Q&A. Tons of questions from our listener who's we're really excited to have both of you joining the show. Some Seahawks questions, some movies and pop culture related questions and just some random questions because our fans love to throw those at us so here we go without further ado first question here coming from spencer writes do you think the seahawks should bring back kj wright why or why not noah kj wright didn't play for the seahawks last year but he right now basically said seahawks or nobody do you think seattle should bring him back for this next season i mean they they brought in a linebacker and they drafted some linebackers, so I don't think you'd require it. But I think he's a good player, and I think you could use him very well. And so I think it would be helpful, but I'm going to say no, just because you have a lot of linebackers there already. So I'm just going to say... I, I, I actually don't know the story. Why is he saying he won't go to anywhere else? Is he That's just where... His family, he wants to stay in Seattle with his family. Last oh, year he played cool. in Las Vegas and he had to spend several months away from them. And he's just decided at this stage of his career that this is where he wants to be or he's content. That's his the word he used, content hanging his cleats up. So, Well, I'm going to disagree with my son, my, <laughs> my future GM son, say, bring the guy back. Let him compete. Come on. Let him get in there. Absolutely. Unless yeah, the latest report today was that uh, – John Schneider actually said that the chance of him coming back would be a non-playing role. So maybe as an assistant coach or involved in the front office in some capacity. So that'll be interesting. But I know a lot of people. Why would they say he was a non-playing role? Do they do they just think he's not physically up for it? What what do you know? I think that's part of it, the scheme change. Um, it's just not really a fit necessarily. I would tend to agree with that assessment. And it's not that I don't think KJ can't play anymore. I just don't think. I don't think he fits. And I think they got some intriguing young guys back there, as Noah was mentioning, that they've added the last couple of years. So we'll see. I, I've seen the Seahawks do crazier stuff than bringing KJ Wright back. So maybe it will happen. We'll have to just wait and see. Next question here coming from Taxi Wright. If you could rebrand an NFL franchise, what Yellowstone-inspired name and mascot would you choose and why? I, I think this question was specifically for you, Josh. <laughs> I'm not going to let my son answer. Um, no, <laughs> I that's, don't want to. <laughs> that's actually one of my favorite jobs I've done in many, many years. I, I really, really enjoy that show and doing it's pretty amazing up in Montana. Um, but I actually thought rather than rebrand a, a, an existing team, I had this idea. Let's go with the Spokane. Bring it. Bring another Washington team 
into the NFL for the, I mean, expand a little bit. And I thought what it would be great, the Spokane stallions and you'd have this perfect stallion on the helmet rather than like a Bronco, like a, you know, like rearing up on its, on its back two legs. Um, so that, that, that's my, that's my fun answer on that one. And maybe that if that happens, we know who's going to be a part owner of that franchise once the time comes. Yeah, maybe absolutely. several of you guys on the cast of uh, Yellowstone can uh, reach out to Roger Goodell and say, hey, two, two teams in Washington can work because East and West Washington are like two different states. Oh, absolutely. So they could definitely oh, make it work. I think that would thrive. I think a team out in Spokane would be fantastic. I love the idea. So, I mean, I don't have an email for Roger Goodell, but I'll see if I can find a way to hit him up and let's see if we can get a professional team in Spokane. Great. Jeremy writes, and this is a great question. This might be my favorite one we got for this submission. If you could star in one of the following franchises, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, or the Avengers, which one would you choose and why? And Noah, I will come to you with a second part of this question after your dad answers. Well, I'll tell you an honest and embarrassing answer to that, which is that I uh, recently almost got to star in the new Lord of the Rings franchise that's coming out. And uh, frankly, <laughs> I had some troubles with the accent. I couldn't kind of get the accent. I'm not quite sure what exactly they were after, but I, I, I have to say I was like... Uh, yeah, it was one of those like, ah. But if I had my own choice, I would say... You know, the Star Wars world is probably the one I, I, I look. I remember being a six year old boy not far from where Noah is now and telling people my name was not Josh Lucas, but it was Luke. You know, I was Luke. And it was because, you know, the Star Wars world like hit me like, you know, a, a, uh, it was the first movies I ever saw. And to this day, it's fantastic to go back with Noah and show him those movies. And I don't, you know, I know those movies way better than the Avengers and, and, uh, you know, the Lord of the Rings are obviously fantastic as well, but I'll let Noah answer your next question. Yeah, Noah, flipping the script here. <laughs> if you had to pick one of those franchises to see your dad play in, which one would you prefer? I mean, Star Wars or Avengers? I have only seen one Lord of the Rings movie. I'm just going to keep that out of the picture. I mean... <laughs> I don't know. I love both of them, but I'm going to have to agree with my dad on this one. Star Wars is probably, it was hard. It was a, it's a hard decision, but Star Wars. Yeah. I don't know. Josh playing as uh, one of the Avengers kind of seems like that might be right up his alley based on some of the films he done. I don't know. I can see him doing all three that we can speculate. Maybe there's a Star Wars uh, acting role in his future at some point. Next question that. here coming from Bryce and Noah. This is a great question because if you want to be a general manager, you also got to be what Rob likes to call a bean counter. You got to know about the salary cap and uh, how much you pay players. So the question is for Noah, would you pay DK Metcalf $30 million per year and should a receiver ever get that much? To answer the second question, yes, receivers do deserve that much. <laughs> I'm just thinking Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill. I think that they've earned it. Yeah. Um, DK Metcalf, I love it. He's a great player, very physical, great wide receiver. I just think that if you are to be willing to pay him $30 million, you should at least pass him a little bit more because I know he was complaining last year how he wasn't getting <laughs> passed to enough. So 
sure, passing him a lot and pay- paying him $30 million is a perfect idea. But I'm going to say yes on this question just because I love DK Metcalf. And What if it was all based in performance? I mean... It was entirely based That's on... That's a very valid question. Incentives. Yeah, exactly. Entirely, totally. in- entirely incentive-based salary. I think that would be... Has that ever happened where they've had an entirely incentive-based salary? Well, they, they, they've had minimum. They have to right? have a base. Yeah. They have to have a minimum base salary, but um, yeah. not for that kind of money. I don't I think mean, they've never been a... <laughs> like, like, hey, 10,000 yards. Get $2 million, but... <laughs> What if the NFL worked that way, where you had a ten million dollar base salary, but you could get an additional twenty million dollars if you performed, you know, truly brilliant? Like, wow, he got ten thousand <laughs> yards somehow. Um, just give him that extra twenty thousand. Well, and, and well, they jump in. I think teams would love that, right, Rob? <laughs> they, they they might. And, and Marquise Brown. I mean, I think that that that's been the kind of the conjecture here in the last couple of days is that Marquise Brown, who of course was with the Baltimore Ravens, and then kind of pushed for a trade to the Arizona Cardinals, who do throw the football a lot. So, kind of to Noah's point here, Josh's point as well, it, it does feel like teams are doing that a little bit more. That if uh, and certainly players as well, if that they are able to kind of reach those escalator, those booster clauses and, and be able to get as much money as possible. You know, let, let's just think about it. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens, they're built around running the football. Lamar Jackson and that, and that running game, they're not going to throw the ball that much. But then you go to the Arizona Cardinals. That's all they do is throw the ball. <laughs> and, and so Marquise Brown, you know, he's going to go to the Arizona Cardinals and he is going to put up a lot bigger numbers for Arizona presuming that he stays healthy and all that, of course. But it just looks like that is a much better system in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. Kyler Murray, his former college teammate at Oklahoma, throwing him the football. Then, yeah, I I think that Marquise Brown is going to maybe not get 10,000 yards, as as Noah said there, but still a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. And that certainly is exactly what his agent is looking for, to get both of them paid a lot more in Arizona than in Baltimore. So I think that you're going to see teams do that. I think, frankly, going back to the Seahawks conversation, Russell Wilson, there's a possibility that Russell Wilson throws for a lot more yards, a lot more touchdowns. Let's see if he gets a lot more wins with the Denver Broncos playing in that system than he did with the Seattle Seahawks. Look at our next question here from Stephen writes, do you think Pete Carroll and the Seahawks going back to their roots with a great defense and run game will make the team better as a whole? So this is kind of Noah, that question. Can this team be better in the long run moving on from Russell Wilson by going with the things that Pete Carroll thinks win football games? Um, defense, (laughs) defense and running game, very important of the game of football. And I think throughout the ages, it's turned more and more into a passing game with like wide receivers getting paid how they are. But I mean, I think it will definitely assist it, but I think with Drew Locke, it's definitely going to help. Like, if you had Russell Wilson, it wouldn't be as much because he's very much of that throwing-type QB. But I think with Drew Locke, just presuming that they'd take Diego with him, then I think that will be very helpful in the I think that's probably one of the great things we're about to see is you have, in a sense, an old-school NFL coach who, you know, is in, in the – 
you could say the prime or the twilight or whatever you want to say of his of his career after having been one of the greatest you know defensive running you know uh scoring uh, uh you know control the game coaches probably of all time from his college career all the way through his NFL career. So that's a very interesting question because at what point was Russell Wilson, as much as he's the great, one of the great quarterbacks of all time, maybe not the right quarterback for Pete Carroll. So that's why maybe it'll be an interesting thing that, that this, this works for them. And then you also have the question I asked you on the phone, Corbin was, you know, is there any chance that Seattle really planned on this being only a rebuilding season? And your answer was, I don't think so, because Pete Carroll is just too much of a competitor to ever think that way. So I I, I think you're right about that. Um, the only, you know, maybe caveat is if he was willing to say one year he would he would allow the team to to go, you know, basically not go south by any means, but knowing that they're going to get some great quarterback in his, you know, next year. I don't know how I, I personally don't even know. Do you know, do you know how long is Pete Carroll's contract still at this point? Is he he's he's under contract through 2025. So, so wow, okay. He so, has yeah. some flexibility here. And I sure. think he's probably got a two-year window to get that quarterback. But yeah. like you said, it, it really does create a big question because Pete Carroll Mr. Chomp on the gum, super hyper, 70 going on 18. Like, he's not going to want to go out and win three games. Like, that's just not yeah. in his DNA. So, we yeah. went to, we went and watched practice a couple of years ago. And it's pr- truly amazing to watch the guy, you know, walk the field, right? I mean, it's, it's a level of energy and a level of, you know, almost childlike passion, which is just extraordinary <laughs> to see even early on in the, in the practice season, you know, he was just, he was, he's a fireball. And I, I, we've listened to his, you know, his podcasts where he goes on and talks about the mental aspect of performance and sports and competitiveness. And I, 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 you know, I really think you're right, but you never know that maybe the guy is willing to take a year, not sort of down and so that he can win the Super Bowl in his final year of the contract with another quarterback and hang it up. You never know. I mean, it's going to be and something. That's really what makes this whole process yeah. in, just incredibly intriguing because Rob and I've talked about this. There's never been a GM coaching tandem that has been able to find that second franchise quarterback and then get back to the Super Bowl. Like that has never happened. So if they find a oh, way wow. to do it, they will be one of one. Wow. I didn't know that. That's interesting. It was funny. My dad says he, he walked as he walks down the field, he runs down the field. If you walk, <laughs> full speed. There is no slow walking with Pete Carroll. There just isn't. It's excellent. I, I was like listening and they're like, yeah, you have to go catch him. If you want to um, talk to him, you're not to like catch him. Cause he's. <laughs> and, and, and Pete's fast Noah. So that, that's, that's no joke. <laughs> This is a true story. He runs stairs inside the facility. Like they have like steep stairs that go way up to the top of the, like he will go in there and I've seen him. He runs the stairs in there and he's well, 70. Yeah. I've so heard, that's I've why Pete Carroll does the things that he does. But anyway, guys, I've greatly appreciated having the chance to have both of you on here to talk Seahawks football and a number of different topics. And I want to throw this out here real quick. For our last question, this one came from Barrett, and I think it's the perfect send-off because both of you guys love the Seahawks, and obviously you've been listening to our podcast. Again, we greatly appreciate that. But what is your favorite Seahawks memory? What would jump out to you is that one memory that stands out above all the others? Last night we watched the Tom Brady 
documentary man in the arena man in the arena and it was the seahawks episode where they played the seahawks in the super bowl and i was not cheering for tom brady i know it's his documentary but i wasn't (laughs) (laughs) i knew they lost i was just like when they made that catch where it like he dropped it it hit his leg it bounced back into the air and then he caught Mm -hmm. it I think that was a crazy moment that I very much enjoyed. Also, the double punch was very fun. and <laughs> Giving Michael Dixon some love with the double <laughs> punch. That was one of the coolest plays I've ever seen. <laughs> Certainly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was absolutely, and this is a nice way to send it off. I, a couple years back, at not long after Glory Road, which is the basketball movie that I love so much, um, I got called by someone in the franchise that said, hey, did I want to come be the 12th man? And what they do for those, you know, anyone who goes to the games, they know sometimes that they do this, you know, brief montage of your career with some pretty great music before the game. And there's, you know, all on the big screens. And then on the way above the stadium, they have that platform up there. And I had my family with me. This is actually before my son was born, but I had my family up there and all of us except me were dressed in full Seahawks, not just regalia, but we had like wings and like, you know, we were trying to look like Seahawks. And it was, uh, I mean, it was a family moment that all of us talk about. If you look at any, uh, you know, our iPhones or different things or what's what's on people's refrigerators, it's that photograph of my whole family together on that podium. And it was it's it's just unlike any experience to kick off, you know, be that be there in that moment when when the kickoff happens at the beginning of the game and and you you get to be the 12th man. It, it's it's a it's a high point, not just of my Seahawks experience, but of my whole career easily. Yeah, that's, I just have always imagined what it's like. I mean, it, when 2020 was so weird when there was no fans in the stands, but, oh, yeah. you know, the the feeling in the press box when you have your feet, you know, under your feet, it's shaking in the press box when that's going on. And I can only imagine being on that platform and waving the towel and yeah. just how crazy loud it is. You probably have your ears ringing for the next three days it's after that great. experience. But Josh, Noah, it's been a blast. Greatly appreciate you guys taking the time to come on the show and talk Seahawks, talk Star Wars, Avengers, all kinds of different stuff. And I'll say this, Noah, uh, you have a great amount of knowledge for somebody that isn't even 10 years old yet. And this would be my advice for you as somebody that didn't start my career in sports media, but this is what I always wanted to do. My advice, never let that passion flame burn out. If somebody thinks you're nerding out, just read off more stats. That's the way to go about it. <laughs> well, Noah told his whole class, his whole school, that he was going on this uh, program today. And he, I said, so what did everyone say? And he said, I don't think anyone even had it. No one really cares. No one's like, <laughs> my school doesn't really care about football. They're like, okay, cool. We're in a small little California town in the middle of kind of nowhere. And I think they were all like, okay, cool. And no, I mean, you know, I told you. Truly, Corbin, Rob, my son said to me right before we came on today, he said, this is one of the greatest moments of my life that I get to go do this show. So to all of your listeners and everybody, thank you for having us. It's uh, it's a treat, and uh, we're happy to come back anytime. And uh, truly, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much, so Noah. Much. We greatly appreciate it. And Josh as well. It, it's been a blast. And yes, we will have to have you guys come back on. And maybe sometime during the season, we can get an assessment from Noah. We'll see where this team is at. And right. maybe they'll be surprising. Or maybe we'll be like, well, who do they pick with the number one selection? We don't know which direction it's going to go this year. But we will okay. certainly be calling on both of you 
to help us around midseason and try to figure out where the state of the franchise is. We greatly appreciate having you guys on. For all the 12s out there, as always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen at five days a week. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to break down rookie minicamp and a couple of undrafted rookies to keep a close eye on, including V. Jones, the linebacker out of North Carolina State. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.